Pastor. Thank you very much. He mentioned that I grew up in Michigan. I lived, live now in Ohio for the last 33 years. But I want you Texans to know that my father and mother lived in Fort Worth, Texas. And 72 years ago, last January, I was conceived in Texas. I was born in Michigan basically because that's where my mother was and I wanted to be there for that occasion. <laughs> but I am a Texan from way, way back. Yeah. Won't you look in your book, if you would, this morning to the book of Proverbs, just one verse, and then I want to talk to you for a few minutes basically about what's been sung about today, the amazing grace of God, the love that he shed on Calvary, his blood that he gave to redeem sinners just like you and me. I was born in Michigan. I was also born again in Michigan as a 20-year-old boy. got saved. God changed my life in the direction, and I'm so thankful this morning. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says this. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. My wife and I were married on August the 8th, 1970, so 51 plus years ago now. I was a 21-year-old kid. She was an 18-year-old girl. We were on our anniversary trip, and I saw on my phone that on this past August 8th, the legendary football coach of Florida State University died, Bobby Bowden. I watched the funeral on my phone. About an hour and a half, players spoke, coaches spoke, preachers preached. But I think the most dramatic and revealing thing that I heard on that hour and a half long funeral was a testimony of a football coach by the name of Mark Richt. Mark was an assistant for Bowden. He later became the coach at Georgia and also the coach at University of Miami. He's now retired. He has Parkinson's disease. He does a little bit of TV analyst work for uh, one of the college networks, but he told this story. He said we had a player by the name of Pablo Lopez. And Pablo was the starting guard. He was a sophomore or a junior. He said he got married, and we had a Saturday off with no game in between the first, second, first or second games of the year. And so Pablo, as a 21-year-old tackle, went to a party on a Saturday night. He was shot and killed with a shotgun blast. He said, on Monday, the coach, Bowden, brought all of us into a room, all of the 90 or so players, uh, all the coaches, all the training staff, Everybody. There was one empty chair. And he said, fellas, 
talked about Pablo a moment. He said, that's Pablo's chair. One empty chair out of all the chairs in that room. And he said, he asked this question. He said, what if that chair was yours? Where would you be? Mark Rick said, I was sitting there. And I quote, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to my soul. and said, Mark, where would you be? He said, I made an appointment to see Coach Bowden the next day in his office. And there down on my knees, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. You see, it's not church membership. It's a divine relationship. It's not turning over a new leaf, but it's turning your life over to God. It's not doing good deeds, but it's letting God's goodness be manifest in your life. It's not trusting yourself, but trusting Jesus Christ. You no guarantee of tomorrow, neither do I. There's no promise of even another hour. Yesterday, I don't, we commemorated 20 years since nearly 3,000 American citizens went out into eternity from the Twin Towers and the other places. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only deterrent to keep you out of eternal damnation. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 19 and verse 7, that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now the law reveals some things to people. The law lays some demands that reveal a sinner's shortcoming. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us, that's everyone. But the gospel can remove sin. First John chapter 1 and verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. I don't know about you, but I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have your sins forgiven. The law restrains. We all have a conscience. It's affected. We know, we know right from wrong. But the gospel can redeem. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. We're not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The law is a chain. You can not, there's not a person in this room that could fulfill the law. On the one, the, Jesus said if you committed one of the sins, you're, you're guilty of all. But the gospel can change you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're different when we get saved. God, God listen, if God didn't change you, God didn't save you. If you're born again, I, th- I heard an old preacher say one time, the family dog would know you got saved. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but it's good preaching. 
The law can protect. It tells you what's wrong. So you avoid some things. You don't go there. You don't do that. But the gospel can perfect one. It can make one clean. Man is without excuse. You say, well, you know, uh, I, I don't think that God could save me. I, I have, I've sinned so much. I, I've done too many de- bad things. Christ's saving, cleansing blood can reach down in the depths of the deepest sinner's life and cleanse you and make you clean. How much more shall the blood of Christ by the eternal spirit cleanse us? According to Hebrews chapter 9. You say, I've gone too deep into sin. The blood of Jesus Christ has gone farther. The famous evangelist from your state, Lester Roloff, used to sing that song. <laughs> the blood of Jesus has gone deeper than the stain of sin has ever gone. You say, I've fell too far. I've gone too, I'm too far away. God's saving grace can travel much farther than you've gone. The Bible said in Ephesians 2.13, those that are far off, he hath made nigh by the blood of Christ. The very fact that you're here this morning. You've heard all these songs that brought honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And you're hearing a simple gospel message. God is bringing you nigh this morning. Perhaps you are closer than you have ever been to coming to Christ. It could be your last chance. It could be the final salvo that God sends your way in regard to salvation. I uh, was preaching one time with an old preacher in a meeting. He told the story of his youth. He had just been married, not a Christian. He was 20, his wife was just a teenager. And uh, they lived way out in the country. Closest house was a half a mile away. He could just barely, barely see it. He said one night they went to bed, and for whatever reason he was awakened, and he looked out and he could see that the house a half a mile away was on fire. Smoke, billowing flames. Got up, quickly dressed, went down there, the, our way out in the country. The fire department hadn't even gotten there yet. It was engulfed in flames. Firemen finally got there. By the time they got there, when they arrived, it was just ashes. And they said to him, because he was the first one on the scene, basically, no, there were no cell phones back in that day. He said, do you know if there was anybody home? He said, well, I know that the, the husband, the father, he was a, a truck driver, and I, I know he wasn't home, but I, when I came home last night, we saw the mother and the little girl. And so they began to search through the ashes. And a couple of firemen came out with a, several blankets wrapped around a couple of lumps on the ground. And the, policeman, or the fireman asked him, he said, would you recognize the daughter if you saw her? He said, I think I would. I'm just a 20-year-old kid. I, I think so. He said, well, you, well, we'd like to have you identify her body. We, we, you can't look at the mother. You can't look at her body at all. It's charred beyond recognition. And he said, went over, and they pulled some blankets back, and there was a little girl there, a seven, eight-year-old girl. Not a scar on her. Not a blister. 
No, nothing. He said she looked like she was just asleep. She's dead. And in covering her back up, the body of the mother was somewhat exposed. He said it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. He was curious. He said to the farmer, how, how could the little girl be like that and the mother look like she looked? And the fireman said, well, what we surmise is that the mother got some wet blankets and wet towels. We could see the, rev- the remnants of them. And they, she wrapped those wet articles around the body of her little daughter that she loved. And then she wrapped herself around that child. And that mother died, obviously, before the little girl kept her alive as long as she could. I want to say to you this morning, sinner friend, God Almighty sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this whole world. Wrap his loving arms around sinners and protect you from this flame. You say, I don't believe in hell. You may not believe in hell, but that doesn't change the temperature one degree. That doesn't put one flame out. Hell is a real place. That's why Jesus came. Keep people out of hell. People like you and me. That's why this church sits here on this property. It's a beacon to keep people from the flames of hell. I went one time, a man's mother had died in Union, Mississippi. I flew to Jackson, rented a car, and went up to Union. I went in and saw the body of his mother, and we went over to the pastor's house. I couldn't figure that out. It, couldn't, it just couldn't, didn't register. Why in the world isn't the pastor? Her pastor was a good man. I knew, why isn't he preaching? And we went over the parsonage, old country home, and the uh, mother was there. She invited us in, the pastor's wife. And, and uh, I don't know, in 30 minutes or so, we sat down to, I mean, a wonderful country meal. You're only going to get them in the South. Four or five different uh, types of meat, six or eight vegetables, biscuits and cornbread and everything. Kind of makes you hungry, doesn't it? <laughs> and we sat there and talked a little bit. I, I hadn't met the lady. I knew her husband from a meeting somewhere. And uh, we were sitting there, and my friend asked her, said, well, I heard about your son dying. And she said, yes, and then she began to talk. She said, we were coming home from town, and we had to detour. We see the police cars up there and flashing lights and all that, and we had to detour all the way around. And We got home. We didn't know anything, and we walked into the house, and few minutes the phone was ringing. She pointed, she said, right there in that room my husband went and answered the phone. He said, long time he never came out. Didn't hear anything. He said, I went in that room and my husband was just holding the phone and staring at her. She said, honey, what's the matter? She said, you know, we got detoured around, that was our boy. 30-something year old boy. Lost. Never gotten saved. That was, my, that was our son. And he said, and I don't know why the person did it. I, I don't, I, you know, some things you just don't say. But the person on the other end of the line said, your son was burning in that car and we could hear him screaming. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. 
I'm going to hell. You need to think about that, friend. You need to think about that, friend. You die without Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. I can't make it any plainer. Preacher said, I've been preaching, I've been preaching for 51 years next month. But I've been doing evangelistic work for 45 years. I spent two-thirds of my life plus trying to keep people out of hell. I spent my entire adult life trying to keep people from going to a devil's hell. God help you this morning to see it. There are four vital questions and I'll be done. Every one of you need to answer it. Where did you come from? What are you here for? Where are you going when you die? And how to get to where you want to go? You say, preacher, that's a little too dramatic. I, you know, I just say, no, it's too dangerous for you to play around with your eternal soul. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, the Bible says. You're sitting here this morning at a crossroads between the broad way that you've been on that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. And you've got a choice to make. You've got a decision to make. Where did you come from? You say, well, you know, I'm a college-educated fellow and I believe in evolution. Or I'm a ninth-grade biology teacher and I believe in evolution. So you believe that amoeba crawled out of a mud puddle and turned into a monkey and now he's a man with a PhD from the University of Texas? I don't believe that. I believe in creation. I believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. God. Put all this together. If you can't get, if you can't wrap your mind around those first four words, you're in serious trouble, friend. Where did you come from? What are you here for? Oh, have a good time. Uh, A career, make some money. Have great weekends. Live for the flesh. You're a fool. God put us here to bring honor and glory to him. We are made for his pleasure. Where are you going? I can tell you simple. I'm going to be as plain as any Baptist preacher's ever stood in this pulpit. If you are saved, you will go to heaven. If you are lost, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you will go to hell. It's that simple. You say, well, I don't believe that. It doesn't make any difference what you believe. It's what the Bible says. Now, what are you going to do with Jesus? That's how you're going to get to heaven? What you do with Jesus. I grew up in a good home. My dad is a great great preacher, man of God. But I was the rebel. I was the black sheep of the green family. I'm the one that went astray. 
I then went, went off to college, not Christian college. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go into detail how I lived the first uh, four or five years before I got saved. I would be afraid my grandchildren would hear about it. I don't want them to know what their grandfather did. I don't want them to know how I lived and what I, how I acted and the places I went and the things that I was involved in. I got born again the 15th day of March, 1970. 2.30 in the morning, I knocked on my father's door. He opened the door, had his pajamas on and a robe around him. He saw me there in the early morning. He said to me, you come to get saved, didn't you, son? I said, yes, I did, Dad. And that early morning, I got born again. I was brought into the family of God by his grace. Salvation. Salvation is the most important thing in the world. It's the beginning of a wonderful life to live for Jesus. You know, it's not some magic talisman that, you know, that's how you get to heaven. Salvation is a life-changing experience. With a life-altering destination. If you're not saved, you'll go to hell. If you are saved, you'll go to heaven. It's that simple. That's what it's about. That's what this day is about. That's why they have church here every Sunday. That's why they go out and pass out tracts. That's why they're involved in world missions. 1 John 5 and 13 says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I know I'm saved this morning. I did what God said to do, to get saved. If you're not saved today, you ought to get saved. It's that simple. Now, I didn't get saved at church. I told you I got saved at the house. So I'm sure there's other people in this building that, oh, maybe somebody led you to the Lord at work, or maybe somebody came to your house and led you to Christ, maybe in the street. You know, you got saved at home, whatever. How, I don't know where you got saved. But how many folk in this room say, Brother Green, I came to church one day a lost sinner, maybe to this church. I came to church one day as a lost boy or a lost man or a last lost girl or a lost young lady, or a lost senior citizen. I came to church one day as a lost sinner, and I heard the gospel, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. I got born again. I can't raise my hand to that. I got saved at the house. I told you that. How many of you say, Preacher, I went to church one day lost, but I went out of that building saved. Did you raise your hand high? That's lots of people. May bow our head and close our eyes for a moment. I would say about two-thirds of the congregation raised their hand. They came to church lost. They heard a message. Maybe far better than this one. But we're in a crowd. Would your seat be empty? If the place you're sitting in right now and by... The time next Sunday rolls around, you're dead. 
where would you be? Where would you be? How many folk in this building this morning would say, Brother Green, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. But I'd like to become a born-again Christian. I'd like to be saved. I'd like to know that my sins are forgiven and heaven's my home. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Across this auditorium? Would there be anybody like that? There's a lady right over here. Anybody else? I'm not saved. I'd like to get saved. Anybody like that? Anyone else? Young or old? Teenager? Middle age? Folk like me? Senior citizens? I'm not saved, but I like to get saved. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Anybody like that? Let me ask you this. Are there folk in this room this morning? You say, I'm a born-again Christian. I know I'm saved. But I know of someone else in this room that's not a Christian. I know them by name. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Lots of people. One of two things. Would you pray? I know you probably already prayed for them. Pray that God would save them. Pray that God would reveal the truth to them. That God would show them the seriousness of being lost. The consequences of not being a Christian. Not asking Christ to save them. If you're not saved today, obviously somebody's praying for you right now. That God would save you. Is there anyone else? Say, preacher, I'm not a Christian, but I'd like to get it settled. I'd like to be an answer to somebody's prayer. I'd like to be born again. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Anyone else? Anyone else? If you're a Christian and you're sitting by somebody that's lost or close to them, why don't you ask them? Why don't you tap them on the shoulder and say, listen, I can show you how to be saved. I can show you how to become a Christian. You ought to be saved today. Father in heaven, we thank you for these few moments. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the truth it reveals. We thank you for the salvation that it provides through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. Oh God in heaven, you know the hearts of every single person in this room. You know how close some of them are to eternity. I pray, Lord, you'd convict sinners of their sin, the sin of unbelief. And I pray you'd help them to come, come to Christ today in Jesus' name.